Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at thedistrict.church. You guys can go and have a seat. Happy Thanksgiving for those that I was not able to see on Thanksgiving, which is just about everybody, because <laughs> I was not in town. Um, is that ringing? Anyways, it is the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and uh, I think we're pretty much full throttle into just the holiday season now, and what I want to do today, um, which will kind of be a little bit unique and, and different, is first of all, just kind of give a brief sermonette, um, and, and with having a smaller crowd, I think, uh, I know, having a, sm- a young church, a lot of our people still travel back home, and so we, we've come to get used to this on the holidays, um, and so holidays are, are typical, this is, this is what it looks like, um, but with us having a small crowd, um, I think it'll actually allow us to, to be a little bit more intimate with what I want to do towards um, the end of the sermon, and so uh, which will be, once I get done, um, is for us to just kind of circle up and, and to just spend some time encouraging one another on what we're thankful for in this season. Um, and so how we've seen God kind of work in our lives and, and share that. And I hope, um, I hope that'll be a tradition that we'll just be able to continue doing on the Sunday after every Thanksgiving, kind of moving forward of uh, just spending some time hearing from our people what it is that God has been doing in our lives that's produced thanksgiving for, for us. Um, but before we get into that, as a culture, uh, I, I think, it, by and large, we're, we're all pretty bought into the holiday season. Um, I don't think there's anybody that's like, like literally the Grinch that j- is just completely removed from all of it. I know there's even some of us who, who do that thing where you decorate Christmas before Thanksgiving, and personally, I'm okay with that. Um, we didn't because we don't have the time yet. Um, but as far as like singing Christmas songs and getting into that cheer, and you know, unlike Josh, I'm I'm an advocate for that because I I like Christmas music, and I used to not, but I think it's definitely grown on me now, and so I just it just makes me feel good, so I enjoy it. But I think a lot of us have kind of have done that as well, and now we've kind of, we're still in that turkey coma kind of phase over the last couple of days. I mean, how many of you just ate a lot, like, over the last few days? Um, I still feel like I'm just full um, from Thursday night's meal. Um, and, and including in that, now we're kind of in the between the holidays. We're, we're, we've hit Thanksgiving, we've celebrated that, um, which is a big deal to kind of prep for, and then now we're now in the, the Christmas mode of, of the busyness of it. We're, we're thinking through, okay, how many Christmas parties are we going to? We've got to get gifts. We've got to think about what family are we going? How are we dividing up family amongst different households? Like, and, and so we're, we're starting to kind of think through this. Commercials have already started, so from every media outlet, you're going to have just thrown at you, here's what you need to buy, here's the perfect gift, this is what's going to truly satisfy you, and, and so I just think there's all kinds of different messages that are being thrown at us during this season, both internally what we feel, and then also externally what other people are telling us we should feel, and so what I wanted to share with us today is, is what should we do with that? Um, what should we 
how should we go about this season? Should we let the holiday season kind of dictate who we're going to be and what we're going to do? Or should we be dictating who we're going to be and how the holiday season's ultimately going to be played out? Um, and so that's what I want to talk about um, today because I, I, what, I've, what I've seen just historically and just reading is typically when we let the holiday season kind of dictate our lives, um, we're, we're either going to be left with the Christmas blues or the Christmas hangover. Um, the Christmas blues are the idea that not that, like this time of season isn't necessarily joyful for everyone because especially when you do anything that's around a holiday, um, it typically revolves around family. And so not everyone has a family that they can get together with that they love to get together with. Um, usually they, they might get together and then just a grenade goes off and it goes really bad. It's just nothing but fights and political conversations. and like, it, just, it just goes one way and it's not enjoyable. But then there's the other side of where people don't have families to get together with and this season reminds them of that. Or that they've lost somebody over the past year, the past two years, and so getting together for a holiday to, to practice or go through family traditions or rhythms um, reminds them of the lost one that they loved. And so there's that Christmas blues that can kind of come into this season. And then there's also the Christmas hangover, which again is this season coming in promising you so many things that it's never going to actually meet that expectation. It's never actually going to satisfy. Like whether you get a new car or that perfect gift uh, for Christmas that you've been wanting for 11 months now, you'll get it. And then by January, you're like, okay, there's an upgrade for it now or there's something else that's come out that's better or it's already broken. And so like you, you begin having this idea of a Christmas hangover where the meal was great, but now I'm hungry again. Like it's, it, it wasn't the ultimate satisfaction. And so I think these are some of the primary things that we war with in this season is just what do we do with it? Like how do we go through the holiday season honoring God, exalting Christ, and ultimately receiving joy that, that it is meant to produce for us? And so there's some, there's some uh, theologians who have kind of gone the pendulum swing of like, we don't want the holiday season to distract us from the birth of Christ, so we're not going to partake and participate at all. Um, we're just going to focus on the main thing. And then there's the other pendulum swing where Christmas has become about um, the economy, and it's become about presents, and it's become about Santa Claus, and it's become about all these other things, and, and I'm not going to go down that route, but... Um, but how do we have a healthy balance between the two? And, and really scripturally, like what are we commanded by God to do with, with this season? And so I got a couple of verses that I want to share with you and kind of unpack those a little bit. And then we'll have a time of, of sharing. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. So simply put, for everything there is a season and there is a time for every matter, including the holidays, under heaven. And so are we saying that there's a time for Thanksgiving and Christmas? I'm not saying them specifically. But what I am saying is that because they are in our context, there is a way in which we can celebrate them that honors God and gives thanks. There is a way in which we can practice the, the, the 
community or context of our nation in which we, we practice a ritual in which we can honor God through it. In Colossians 2, 16 through 17, Paul says this, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. What Paul is saying here to the churches in Colossae is that feasts and festivals are essentially good. Like they, they actually have created within their culture times in which they're going to practice or um, have the opportunity foster an environment in which they're going to bring people together to have a party, usually over the course of a meal, in which they're going to honor something that's not actually pointing to the party or the meal, but rather something greater. And so this is, this is really why we ultimately have come up with Thanksgiving, why we've ultimately come up with Christmas, and, and really any of the holidays that you look at at Easter, even Halloween. I mean, it's, a lot of these holidays are, are something that allows us to both remember but also get together and celebrate something that's greater than what the actual festival or celebration actually is. And so that's one of the things that I want to talk about is the difference between substance versus shadow. If we walk through this season and Thanksgiving was only about getting that turkey perfect and those green, that fried, like green bean casserole perfect and that pumpkin pie perfect. I'm just going through the list of the things that I really enjoy. Sweet potato pie and, and stuffing and not really even sure what stuffing is, but like it's got to be right. And if, and if those things are right and we get the family together, that it's just going to produce some type of equation that's going to then equal joy or thankfulness. That's not necessarily the case. You could walk into a Thanksgiving and someone burnt the turkey. I mean, how often does that happen? Like, there's just, like now they're trying to, like, you can microwave a turkey, basically, apparently. Um, there's kind of that challenge that's going out there right now. Um, there's definitely ways in which it can go bad, and it can go bad quick. And so if we go into these kind of festivals or these holidays basing things on a shadow rather than the substance of what the actual holiday is meant to be, then it's going to fall short. And we're going to be left with dissatisfaction rather than satisfaction. And so that's what he's talking about here is that these, these festivals, don't let anyone pass judgment on you for partaking of Thanksgiving and partaking of Christmas, partaking of Easter and partaking of Halloween and partaking of whatever it looks like. Like, don't let anyone look down on you for partaking or participating in a festival that is cultural, but rather look into the depth of what is the festival pointing us towards. And so, Thanksgiving, it's in its name Thanksgiving. So, it's, it's just meant for us to get together in order for us to kind of open up, and I'm not going to go into the, the literally beginning origins of Thanksgiving with, you know, um, our founding origins of, of the Indians and, and whatnot, but as far as the meal, but just the idea of us being able to say, man, I want to look at my life. I want to look at God's provision in my life. I want to see what he's provided for me. I want to see the relationships that he's orchestrated in order for me to come into and I want to see how that is producing within me a sense of thanksgiving. That's not only just being thankful for the things, 
but rather being thankful for the gift giver of those beautiful gifts that we have. And so that's Thanksgiving. And then we have Christmas, and we're going to be jumping into an Advent season next week where we are going to be looking at four weeks of basically an awaiting period for Christ's birth. And so Christmas being more about um, the, the angst that we have for a Savior to come. And so Advent leading up to the birth of Christ is us looking back at the angst that the people of God had, the Israelites who have been promised a Savior for over 700 years, promised a Savior that they are anxiously waiting for. Advent is, is specifically that. It's, it's a time of waiting. It's a time of, of anxiously coming. Like there's going to be a, a Lord, a Savior, who is coming to fix everything that we've broken. And we can't wait for that to happen. And so the four weeks leading up to it are, are, are going to be us looking at scriptures that produce within us this sense of, man, it's happening, it's coming He's faithful to us. And so we're going to be looking at the fact that he is faithful in the promises of the Old Testament. It wasn't just like somebody was kind of reading the, the, the newspaper, the you know, daily Jerusalem paper, and, and they're like, oh, a baby was born. Let's quickly go and tell everyone else that there's going to be a baby bo be born before they actually find out. Like, no, this was 700 years before there were people saying, a baby's going to be born, and here's where he's going to be born, and here's who he's going to be, and this, this is how he's going to live, and this is where he's coming from. And, and so there were a lot of prophecies given in, to the people in order for Jesus to ultimately come. And so two things that we celebrate during that Advent is both the first coming of Jesus, but then also it then provides for us, as we kind of talk about this season being between the holidays, this is also kind of... Um, a context in which we are between the comings of Jesus. We, we look back 2,000 years ago to his first coming, and we have a faith that is built on God's promises that have been answered. And because we've seen God answer those promises already, we're then able to have a strengthened faith into the promises of what has not happened yet, what has not come true yet. His second coming, his coming to ultimately finish what he started, his coming to ultimately glorify us and provide for us the greatest joy and satisfaction that neither Thanksgiving nor a Christmas meal nor a present under a tree will ultimately be able to provide for us. And so that's what we'll be looking at during the, the Advent season. And the main reason why is because we want during this time for us to hold ourselves anchored to the reason for the season we want to hold ourselves ultimately to the substance which is christ not the shadow which are festivals as paul says in colossians and so i ask you to set your heart and your mind on the substance not the shadow by turning your attention onto the word of god made flesh you'll be able to handle the weight of the season because again i i know this season produces just anxieties in people. Am I purchasing the right gift? Am I cooking the right meal? Am I opening my house up in the perfect way? Is, is everything perfect? And the more we focus on Christ in this season, then the lesser anxiety we'll have when it comes to, to those things because we have a right perspective on, on what we're ultimately doing. And I'm not saying like 
Don't do that. I'm not saying, like, put up the tree, play the carols, eat the big meal. Do those things. But just know that those things are lesser than in the reality of what we're ultimately celebrating in this season. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. We are to know that we serve a God that never changes, ever. He's the same eternity past to eternity future. He's the perfect love, the perfect friend, the perfect father, creator, and redeemer. He is perfect. And Thanksgiving is a holiday that's designed to make us pause and consider what we're thankful for. And Christmas is a holiday where we pause and again, remember what we're thankful for when it comes to what Christ has ultimately accomplished for us, when it comes to God's initiating love towards us in the birth of Jesus. And so what I want to do is just kind of share a couple of things to help form for us how we can be thankful during this season, what Thanksgiving actually looks like. And the first thing is that Thanksgiving is a Trinitarian act. It's a Trinitarian act. Without the Trinity involved in our thanksgiving, we are not ultimately being thankful. The typical pattern of thanksgiving in the New Testament is that God the Father is the object of thanksgiving. God the Son is the person through whom thanksgiving flows. And God the Holy Spirit is the source of our thanksgiving. Paul models this in Romans 1.8 when he says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Colossians 3, 16-17 says, Let the word of Christ dwell, dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through our Lord Jesus. The very presence of thanksgiving points to the Holy Spirit as the source of thanksgiving because the work of the Spirit, without the work of the Spirit, it is ultimately impossible to please God. That's what we see in Romans chapter 8, 5 through 8. Christianity does not call for vague thanksgiving to a vague deity. He has a specific way in which we are to give thanks. And it's ultimately just in the idea of knowing that God plans like everything in your life, God is planning it. God is willing it. God is orchestrating it. The Father has a specific path in which he is, he is bringing you through. And so regardless of what we're going through in life, we're to give thanksgiving to the Father because it's his idea. He's the one who thought it up. And then we are to give that thanksgiving to the Father through the Son, Jesus, because we know that nothing is in creation without the being of Jesus Christ. He's the Word of God through which God created everything. Through Jesus, everything is upheld. So it remains what it is because Jesus is who He is. And so we're able to be thankful because Jesus has provided for us the means by which we are actually thankful. And then we have the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit is the one who's depositing within us and producing the fruit within us, everything that the Father plans and Jesus creates. The Holy Spirit breathes life into that. And so we can see the plan of God. We can know that Jesus is ultimately executing the plan of God. But without the Holy Spirit bringing to life within us the plan of God, we will never actually execute the plan of God. We will never walk in it. And so the Holy Spirit is the one who is turning the lights on within our hearts and within our minds, within our souls, the spirit of thankfulness, the spirit of thanksgiving, the spirit of gratitude, the spirit of I've got to get this out of me in order to share with someone else the excitement that I have due to whatever the shadow is. I want to be thankful for this. I want to worship. I want to adore. I want to treasure whatever this is. The Spirit is the one who produces that within us. And so it's Trinitarian. The second thing is Thanksgiving replaces sin. And I think this is so important because it's very easy for us. As Ephesians 5, 4 says, Paul's writing. He says, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So what Paul is saying there is as as God is working in your life, as Christ is changing and transforming you, as, as the Spirit is awakening that within your souls, you are going to have this this change of perspective in your life where I don't want to devote myself over to foolish things that do not produce for me satisfaction, but rather I want to edify and encourage and provide for others something that's not only going to be a producing of thanksgiving in my life of gratitude, but also in theirs. So it's literally an evangelism of thanksgiving that the Spirit is producing with us that Paul is telling us here. So he's saying whenever you're able to cast off or refuse anything that would lead down the path of sinfulness, it ultimately is going to be um, followed up with a gratitude of thanksgiving, a sharing of thankfulness towards others. Paul knows that we are always acting. We either act with sinful, thankless hearts, which leads to foolish talk or crude jokes, or we act with thankful hearts and thereby please God with our speech. And so think about like how, like the, the, the way in which you engage people and the way in which you talk with people over the, sense of, over the course of these holidays, is it building up and encouraging and edifying or is it tearing down because of what we're ultimately saying? John Piper explains the key to unlocking a heart of gratitude and overcoming bitterness and ugliness and disrespect and violence is a strong belief in God, the creator and sustainer and provider and hope giver. If we do not believe we are deeply indebted to God for all we have or hope to have, then the very spring of gratitude has gone dry. And unfortunately, we see that in a lot of families. We see a lot of families kind of spend their time in bitterness or ugliness or disrespecting one another, even violence. I know for me personally, like the last time I spent a Thanksgiving with my mom's side of the family specifically in New York, that's where my, my mom is from, um, was 1997, and it ended in a royal rumble. I mean, I'm not, like, it, it was, I was, yeah, I was only maybe 10 years old at the time, and I just remember, remember 
um, my dad coming up to me and just saying, hey, you need to go downstairs, go with the other kids, just go downstairs um, into the basement. And, and so I was like, okay, well, we're going to go play hide and go seek in the basement. Like, like in my mind, I'm, there's nothing going on that's wrong. Um, and then at one point, I just remember coming back up the stairs, and I'm coming back up the stairs. No joke. I'm seeing one of my uncles literally picking up another one of my uncles and throwing him against the wall. And it wasn't because they were play fighting. Like, this was a legit, like, like one said on how he should raise his kid, and he didn't like it, and alcohol was involved, and, and it leads to another. And it was literally just an all-out war. The other thing I actually do remember, um, which was funny, was I, I was then looking for my dad, because like you look for your safe place, and so I'm looking for my dad, he's just on the couch watching football, <laughs> like while literally a family are like punching each other and just destroying one another in the background. But like that's, that's a, a history of what I remember when family gets together. And so like my idea of my mom's side of the family getting in together for Thanksgiving is violence and ugliness and bitterness. And so what you do shapes, and not only what you do is it shaping you, but it's also shaping your children. I mean, they're seeing around you what ultimately the type of culture that you're setting that, that is going to imprint on them that will ultimately last The third one is that Thanksgiving sanctifies. How should Christians think about God's good creation? Paul says that it should be received with a heart full of thanksgiving. 1 Timothy 4.4 says, Everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. What he ultimately means by that is, is like receive turkey as a good thing. It tastes good, but we're not worshiping the flavor of the turkey. We're just saying, God, thank you that you, first of all, created a turkey and then told us to rise, kill, and eat. Like it's, it's, this, is, this is a good thing for us to partake of. Thank you for making pumpkins that we can then obliterate and make pumpkin pie, and the flavor that comes out of that is something that you thought up and we get to enjoy and partake of. And so the worship, the adoration there, the thanksgiving that is sanctifying is not us just terminating our worship in whatever the shadow is, but it's allowing it to roll past the shadow and ultimately to the substance being God and being thankful for what he has offered us. The fourth one is that thanksgiving is ultimately for the gospel. We should aim to have our thanksgiving rise in proportion to the value of the object for which we give thanks. We should be most grateful for God's work for us in Christ because it unites us to our highest joy, which is God himself. Which means if the gospel is not the centerpiece of every ritual or holiday or gathering that we get together in, then we will not ultimately receive the greatest joy that is to be had. Because we're missing out what the gospel is producing, which is a relationship between us and God. We're not in relationship with God if we leave the gospel to the side. Paul never tired of giving thanks for the grace of God and Jesus' person and work, and neither should we. God has showed his love for us when we were enemies of God, as it says in Romans 5.8. He called us out of darkness and made us heirs of God in Romans 8, 17. 
Jesus bore the punishment we deserved and we received his perfect righteousness, 2 Corinthians 5.21. I mean, what ultimately greater thanksgiving is there than knowing that God took our sins and removed them from us and gave us the gift of his righteousness? I mean, there's nothing that would surpass that in all of creation. Okay, God, yeah, your righteousness is great, but if you had this blackberry cobbler over here, like it's the blackberry cobbler is going to fall short every time in comparison to the gospel, the good news of what God has ultimately produced for us. So without the gospel being the centerpiece of our, of our holidays, we will not experience the greatest thankfulness that we are to have here. And then last thing is to offer thanksgiving in all circumstances. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I always love that the idea of the will of God is such an ambiguous thing and it's such a vague thing and it's one of those things especially for like high schoolers and college students and, and, and kind of coming out of that. It's like, um, if I don't get the will of God right, man, I'm going to mess up my entire life. I mean, there's a lot of weight put on us when it comes to nailing the will of God, right? We, do, we feel it. We, we experience that. If I don't marry the right person, if I don't have the right amount of kids, or if I don't get the right job, like, then I've messed up the will of God. But that's because we think of the will of God in those terms. We think of the will of God as specifically, who am I going to marry? What job am I going to have? Where am I going to go to college? If I mess that up, God's going to be upset with me. But the reality is, is if God was that specific when it comes to his will, then he would just written every single one of us an individual book and handed it to us. Follow this. This is where you're going to go to college. This is who you're going to meet. This is where you're going to land. This is the how much money you're going to make. This is how you need to steward that money. This is X, Y, and Z. He would just give us a playbook. But he doesn't. He gives us a general book that includes the will of God that can cover any and every circumstance. And so I'll say this. Do I think it was the will of God that we landed in Indianapolis? Yes. Why? Because we landed in Indianapolis. When we were praying through where to go plant a church, we could have went and planted anywhere. I didn't have like an audible voice behind me Indianapolis. <laughs> that never happened. Wished it would have. Would have been a lot easier. But we came. We saw the city. We interacted with some people. We prayed over it. We had a peace about it. And we landed. And we said, this is where we're going to be. And God's will continues to work in our lives, regardless of where we ultimately chose to land. I went to like three different colleges. Apparently, all three of them were a part of God's will because I learned and grew in the gospel at all three of them. Like, there's, there's different ways in which we can ultimately understand the will of God, but it's not necessarily based on destination, but it's more about the journey. And this is exactly what he's saying here. In the journey, the will of God is for you to rejoice always. It's for you to pray without ceasing. 
and for you to give thanks in all circumstances. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. What does that mean? That means it's, it's, if you look at the posture of each of those things, to rejoice means I'm thankful that something happened that I didn't create. Right? We, we usually don't rejoice as something that we nailed. We're usually kind of shocked by the fact that we nailed something, typically. But when we rejoice, it's because an, a, an, something amazing happened in our life that has produced in us an external gratitude of thanksgiving that we are now rejoicing in whatever that is. Praying without ceasing means that we are to pray when in need, which as humans, we are always in need, so therefore we're saying pray without ceasing. Why do we pray? Prayer is communication with God. What he's saying is never stop communicating with me. Never stop communicating with me. Now, does that mean that we walk around praying constantly, like eyes closed? Like, no, if you're driving in the car, does that mean I can't pray driving in the car because I have to have my head bowed and my eyes closed? No, not at all. Talk to Him. It's communication. Talk to God. Journal prayers to God. Do popcorn prayers. Pray on your way, wherever you're driving to. Pray for wherever you're going to and whoever you're about to interact with. If you're heading home, pray for your family on your way home. When you wake up in the morning, pray, God, let me brush my teeth well this morning. Like just it, Pray about everything. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. I just love the fact that he says all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. If you look, if you read through the book of Philippians, you get a much better understanding of what he really gets at with that. Whether I have much or I have little, where I have abundance or I've been in need, whether I'm being, whether my health is great or I'm on my deathbed, I'm thankful in all circumstances because I know God is ultimately working out all things for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. And so we're thankful. We're thankful ultimately because we have a God who is sovereign and in control. We have a God who is active and working in our lives. We have a God who's orchestrating the, the, the gathering of his people to edify and encourage one another. And so we're thankful for each other in that. So let's take some time now and let's hear from one another what we're thankful for in this season. And let us worship God together with thanksgiving as we hear how he is loving and caring for each other. And so I know we have probably about 15 minutes to, to wrap this up. So let's just kind of circle up in a group here. And then we'll, we'll close out with a song. Thank you for listening to a sermon from The District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at